Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance Podcast. I'm Dave Goose Mills, and I'm really excited to have a special guest with us today. I've got Mr. Mike Flynn with me. And Mike Flynn has been a mentor of mine for years, and he's guided me through um, what I started out doing as counseling, uh, pursuing an LCSW, and then he steered me into uh, relationship coaching, which is where I am now and what I'm doing. So uh, just a huge impact in my life, professionally and personally. So Mike has how many decades of counseling experience do you have, Mike? Five plus. Five plus decades of counseling. Uh, share just briefly like how you started your counseling. What did that look like for you and when was that? I was in high school in Florida and I had some uh, mentors that were had a ministry uh, taking juvenile delinquents out of the reformatory or detention centers and taking them on two week survival hikes in Ocala National Forest. That was all I was all in and I was like a junior counselor. And the way it worked was you had to follow a map. You had to be at go from point A to point B to get your next water or your meal. And if wow. you weren't there, you didn't get it. And I loved it. And so right then I, I realized I liked working with people. I liked uh, outdoor stuff and I liked having mentors, older guys that I could look up to. And, and I want to talk about that today. I'm 76 and I still have people I looked up to that I look up to now that are important. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. When did you, um, when you first started after your, your training, your education and you entered the field, as a as a professional what was what was that looking like for you well i had a uh, i had a maybe unusual but great uh professional introduction when i got drafted uh after boot camp they say what do you want to do in this man's army and i said well i want to be a medic and the guy said okay that's great what kind of medic and i said what are you talking about a medic yeah you know? he said there's 30 types and he started reading job descriptions and i'd already done uh, army psychology work, but it wasn't called that. He said, I'm going to send you for training to be an army psychologist. So I did that for two years active and six years reserve. And during that time, I started working at public mental health with chronically okay. mentally ill. And, and again, I, I ran some outdoor programs there, created some basketball teams and different things to do with them. Had a great time having my, my guys play against the male prof mental health professionals around town <laughs> and we beat them every time. So you were, you were counseling, um, was it, was it only soldiers? Was it all guys in the army? In the, in the army soldiers. Uh, yeah, I didn't do a lot of family counseling in the army. It was, it was pretty much, I was assigned to two, two companies and any mental health services were mine to deal with. Okay. Yeah. And it was inpatient and, uh, community services, both. Gotcha. And then, you know, currently you're, you are, the the owner director of Christian Counseling Associates 
and resource guidance services here in in the greater Richmond area, right? That's that's right. And and so in that practice, uh, private counseling practice, we do see all ages and all types of of mental health and psychological need issues. I also have a program called RVA for Wellness, RVA for the number four wellness. And that's a lot of outdoor stuff. I do groups uh, in that practice. I do um, three groups every week for pastors. And I do a group for retired men, a group for guys just still trying to get their act together and a group for doctors and dentists. And, uh, And then I do retreats on my farm up in Buckingham County for first responders and ministry leaders. So what do you do with all your free time? Yeah, I stay out of trouble. That <laughs> Man, way. that is that is awesome. Just hearing you go down that list. Um, I, I love the RVA for wellness. So um, one, of the, one of the many reasons why I was excited to have you on this podcast, just one of which was because um, I think it was about, um, I was doing this math earlier. So Men's Alliance uh, started six years ago okay. to the month started six years ago and so seven it had to have been seven years ago mike that i was meeting at your place at your rva for wellness place and you were running at the time it was friday mornings and you had a a guy leading a workout i think we came there friday mornings at 6 a.m that's right and we had a 30 minute workout and you, we'd be running around the outside of your building. You had um, battle ropes. Um, you had TRX bands, and and then after that thirty minute workout, Steve Lambert. This oh. was the first time I met him. That's right. Steve Lambert led us in a, a Bible study or a devotion. And I've maintained connection with you, with Steve, with uh, Eric Gowen, yep, and with Rashawn Wigfall. Oh yeah. Uh, I've recently reconnected with Rashawn, who's a super guy. Yeah. And so uh the majority of the guys that were in those workouts I still have connection with. Yeah, and that's also where I met Aaron Boykin. Yes. Was through that. That's true as well. Yeah. But then so here's the cool thing I think for our listeners, like as that group kind of came to an end, Steve moved away, um, Aaron came in, it turned into an apologetics group. Then we dropped the workout and we just made the whole thing just a, just a apologetics. And right about that time that that ended and changed and morphed a little bit, that's when I started Men's Alliance. That's right. And that's really where I got the idea for doing, let's, let's work out, do exercise for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard workout. It was killer. And then circle up some chairs is what we did we circled chairs up indoors right and and had the bible study and that's where i kind of got that model in my mind for man this is a great way to do stuff yeah men men love to uh exercise once they get started doing it and uh, with each other feel like they're on a team part of something together builds memories builds builds uh, a sense of community and then that's right then after you do that then then you can sit down and open up and be honest with each other yeah, that's absolutely right. I've always felt like if you um, if you pull into the parking lot and get out of your car and go sit in the group, you're not going to be quite as open, quite as ready and willing to share. Exactly. There's something magic that happens when you run around for 30 minutes with sandbags and doing burpees together. <laughs> it's, it, it changes up the chemistry. So um, I'm dying to ask you, 
one of these questions based on your 50 plus years of doing this, right? You've seen everything imaginable, I would, I would guess. And I'm just curious, what is one of the most, let's say common uh, problems that you've seen men encounter specifically in regards to like their relationships? Well, most of the men that uh, I talked to did not have the benefit of good role modeling when they were a kid. They didn't see men doing it right. And they didn't, they might not have even had men speaking into their life. They might've had uh, a, an absent father, an abandoned father. So they may have had more, more female, but even among the males, they didn't have good examples to draw on. So men come into marriage with some things they've heard about how marriage works or Hollywood or, or some ideas other guys have told them, but probably unrealistic expectations of marriage and oh, of yeah. themselves in those marriage relationships. Yeah. That'll mess you up if you're getting your model from Hollywood, right? Yeah. Hollywood <laughs> or just what you hear in the locker room. Oh my gosh. Or just watching people, even in your own family that don't get it right. Uh, I'll never forget you know, two men that have always been heroes in my life are two of my uncles who, by the way, are still living. And, um, you know, I'll never forget all, when I was in my twenties, my oldest uncle, he, we were riding around his farm in the pickup truck. And he said to me, he said, you know, Mike, in this family, and he's talking about the, the extended family, we do not mistreat our women. I was a 20 some year old guy, pretty, you know, number of years before I got married. That was what's called a prescription for living he gave to me. We do not mistreat our women if you're a member of this family. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. And, and he was the kind of guy that could kick your butt if he found <laughs> out you broke the rule. That helped too. <laughs> Man, you know, how old do you, would you guess, like w around about where you when he said that? Oh, in my early 20s. Okay, early 20s. And, you know, I wonder if he knew at the time what an impact that that small statement no, but I'm glad you said that because that's something else I can say today is he's still alive. I still have a chance to say that to him. Good. And that's really, I did take advantage of that idea. Uh, the school principal uh, and I got to know each other really well because I spent a lot of time in his office because <laughs> I, I misbehaved. I acted out the junk that was going on at home. Mm. I acted out at school. So I got to know, well, he didn't have a son. I didn't really have a dad. So the school principal was really even though he was my disciplinarian, we became kind of buddies. <laughs> and I told, when I was like 42, I went up to Western New York, walked up to him, gave him a hug, which men up there don't do, by the way. Yeah. And I said, I want to thank you for uh, being so involved in my life as a child. It's really paved the way for me to do what I do now in helping other people. And he didn't quite know what to say because men didn't do that. with yeah. didn't hug each other except at football games or whatever. But I, I was really glad when he died, I was glad I had said those words to him. Oh, yeah. And so I would say to every man listening, there's someone in your life that helped you and figure out a way to tell them if they're already deceased, tell their nearest relative, write it or speak it or both how they impacted your life. Man, that's so good to hear. And and I there's another little takeaway from I'm getting from your story is. You don't have to be somebody's dad. Right. You don't have to be somebody's biological dad to right. to speak some truth to them Absolutely. if you see them screwing up or even if they're not just just speak some truth to them or don't be afraid to correct them either give them some yeah. course correction yeah. from i think you know 
you've got two sons. I've got two sons. I think a lot of times we can say something to our son a hundred times and then some other man says the same thing to him and they're like, dad, you wouldn't believe what I learned today. (laughs) Well, that's true. And it's also sometimes true with the wives. Yeah. Somebody says something to them and they say, wow, this is a really cool idea. And you'd said it 10 times, but oh, yeah. that's just how it is. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, I, I, I want my buddies, I want my, my Christian um, warrior friends constantly speaking truth to, to my, to my son, Absolutely. you know, my 15 year old now. And because just like that impact from your uncle, yeah. you never know how far that, that impact is going to ripple forward. So what would you say in, in light of that and how we don't necessarily enter our relationships with a good blueprint, with those good role models? Maybe we didn't see how it's supposed to look. Um, what's one of the best things that we can do as adult men in marriages to to improve that? What can we do to improve our, our marriage? Well, we need input from others. And uh, your aviation background tells you you're much more informed on uh, staying safe with external input oh, yeah. from aviation, right? Um, and we need other people. We need to read, we need to listen, and we need to talk to other men. Uh, we need to identify people that are saying what we need to hear, what works. And we need to be willing to walk away from relationships that aren't working, that aren't productive, or maybe are even destructive. Uh, I had a friend once that explained to me a concept called the, a Barney relationship. Okay. And, and he was a big time software. He still is big time software salesman. He said, you know, Mike, there are three kind of people you can spend time with. You can spend time with destructive people, which we have a biblical mandate to distance from. Uh, you can spend time with productive people who are going to make something happen with you. Or you can spend waste time with Barneys who are nice guys, nice people, but nothing's really going to come out of it. Oh, and, you yeah. need to, and he said, from a time management standpoint, you got to be able to walk away from those, the first two, the destructive and the, and the Barney. Yeah. Uh, and spend time with people that really have something in, mutual with you that you can give and receive back and forth. Because you don't have 24 hours a day to do that. You have a very limited time to spend with another one or two guys. And, and what I've started saying more recently is most guys I talk to aren't out doing terrible things. They're yeah. probably doing plenty of good things. But guess what? If they're going to spend this kind of time with another guy or two, something good that they're doing is going to have to go away. Yeah. And that's not going to make you popular sometimes at your own organizations that you may be part of. Somebody might say, what happened to you? You know, well, I've only got so many hours yeah. in a day or a week. And I have to spend it in a way that's productive for my life currently, which isn't necessarily the way it was a year ago. And there's so much in that yeah. that you just said that I, I love. So I, I just think about one thing I hear from guys in Men's Alliance is they'll say, uh, in fact, I just read this today from a guy in Men's Alliance who was making a comment um, on like a, a group devotion app that we're in. And he said, um, I grew up here kind of like born and raised in this area, went to school here, have had tons of friends here, but he's never had the level of deep friendships that sharpen him to be a better husband and father than he's had in just his past couple months I believe it. in men's Alliance. Yeah. Right. And you think about like, these aren't bad guys that were his friends, right? They were just kind of Barney's like you're saying, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And, and if a guy has never, well, let's face it, relationships are based on skill. Uh, I'm not a golfer, but I imagine if you're a golfer and you're with a bunch of guys who play at the level you do, and then secretly you start taking lessons, all of a sudden you don't really fit in anymore. They don't necessarily care that you've moved on and you're going to be playing golf with guys that have more skill. Well, relationally, it's the same thing. Relationship skill building. Once you become a truth teller, as I said in the book called Safe People, mm-hmm. be a truth teller in a truth fearing world. Once you become a truth teller and say it like it is appropriately, there's a lot of people in your life right now that aren't going to want you around. Yeah. But there's new people who function on a higher level that you're going to be in with at this point. So uh, uh, growing emotionally and relationally and spiritually are all tied together. Maturing, you can't tease that out one from the other. And and, you know, a lot of people never thought of relationship as a skill. Maybe they're hearing that kind of for the first time. And they think, you know, they're just in a relationship. Like it just happens. Mm-hmm. And however it is going is just how it's going to continue to go. Right. But I think there's so much hope in what you just said. Mm-hmm. There's hope because we can improve our skills and that will improve our relationship. And not only can we, but we have a mandate to in scripture. You know, all through scripture, it tells us that we need to grow spiritually and emotionally and relationally. And it's all tied together. You you can't be, and I'm not going to give examples, but there are some big nationally known examples in the last 10 years of ministry leaders that have had moral failures. Right. And so there's no way they could have had spiritual maturity. They may have been had a lot of knowledge and a lot of leadership skills, perhaps. They couldn't have possibly had spiritual maturity and treated their wives and their families the way they did. It's You can't be spiritually mature if you're relationally and emotionally immature. That is such a good distinction to make between, um, let's say, biblical knowledge versus spiritual maturity. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. I remember... Um, you recommended the book to me years ago, um, probably four or five years ago, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, by Peter Cesera. Good Wasn't stuff. that you? Did yes. you recommend that yeah. to me? Yeah. Good stuff. Good. A lot of good principles. Like if men listening to this are wanting to work on their skills. That's a good one. Right? So that's one. And we'll put these in our show notes. And just a minute ago, you referenced, you mentioned uh, Safe People. Safe People. And that's by Cloud and Townsend. Yes. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So if you hear us and you're wanting these, we'll, we'll put them there for you to just click on. So, all right, I got, I got the question for you that every guy is going to want to hear the answer to this. Um, what, well, actually the next one's going to be even better, but we'll build to it. <laughs> I know. What, what's, uh, <laughs> what's something that we as men need to know about women? My viewpoint, my mm-hmm. opinion. God designed women to be responders. My theology informs me that God loved us first and we responded to that love that was there. We didn't go out searching for God. He wasn't lost. Yeah. We, we were. And we noticed through the ability of the Holy Spirit to see that love and we responded. Well, uh, when it says in Scripture, husbands, treat your wife like Christ treats the church. Well, you're the church. How does Christ treat you? He loves you first and you respond. That's what you're to do. Whether your wife's meeting your needs, whether your wife's being kind to you, 
whether your wife's who you want her to be, your responsibility is treat her with respect, with love, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience. Now, most of the time, she's going to respond to that exactly the way you would want. In a positive, she's going to love you the way you want your wife to love you. And however, I'm going to say, there are times when women and men, of course, both can be so broken or so sinful that they can't or won't respond to proper treatment. So mm. they they rebel against what God set up. That happens. And I, I don't want to minimize that because I've had a lot of men in my office who have that situation, but I've had a lot of women whose husbands can't or won't respond either. But generally speaking, a man loves his wife. She responds to it, how she's being treated. A man gets back from his wife what he gives her. Yeah. So that's the key to uh, fulfilling your responsibilities as a husband to love her like Christ loves the church. And it's real simple to figure out. It's not as simple to do it because we're broken. But the formula is, how does Christ, how does God treat you? Treat your wife, what you want God to do for you, give that to your wife. Yeah, we're supposed to take the lead, right? That's yeah. like the lead by example part. Exactly. A lot of men are, that I, I see guys just kind of, they're sitting back, they're passive. Yep. They're they're on their heels waiting for their wife to come to them and make the relationship better. And that's right. so backwards from what I'm I'm hearing you say. Exactly. Right? We're right. supposed to step up and lead. And and it's and I'm not saying it's easy. And that's that's we can speak to that in a in a minute. So um this this question might be part of what you just answered, or there might be a separate component. I don't know, but why is it you think uh, so many men, it seems to me, my perspective, it seems to me that so many men, especially in this country, are just unhappy with their sex lives. seems like nobody's having as much sex as they, as they want or slash think they deserve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's, and I think that the sex act, the biological act of sexual intercourse uh, is confused with emotional intimacy. The physical intimacy in a healthy relationship is 100% tied to emotional intimacy. And emotional intimacy gets established through what I said just a couple of minutes ago, treating your wife properly, loving her with, with acts of kindness, gentleness, patience, leadership. And it, when it works the way God set it up, she will respond and she'll, she will be intimate physically and emotionally and it's the way it should work. Now, having said that, we have to understand that um, what you see in Hollywood isn't real. Yeah. Certainly what you see in, in uh, porn isn't real. And people have times when they have uh, something going on, you know, a, a husband or a wife might be physically ill. They might be emotionally down. They might be stressed. There's, you got to understand that you're dealing with a human being Yeah. and, and your wife uh, has needs. I want to tell a quick story that really feeds into this. And some of you who are listening may have heard this on the radio because this is where I heard it on American Family Radio. I, I don't know the pastor's name, but he had had a rough week. He was worn out and it was Friday afternoon. And he said, man, I can't wait to go home. I'm going to get my shoes off. And I just, when I heard that story, I just imagined some guy with tight lace shoes or something. Yeah. I'm going to kick those <laughs> shoes off and get my lazy boy. And that's it for me until Sunday morning. And so he gets in his chair and his wife says, honey, we got to go. And he says, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and she says, no, honey, we, we got to go. 
uh, meet with the uh, Smiths for dinner. And he, he said, oh, no, I am going out to eat with dinner with anybody tonight. I'm going to sit right here in my lazy boy. And she said, honey, we rescheduled with them last week. We have to go out to eat dinner with the Smiths. He said, oh, man, I can't believe this. He says, go get the car and I'll get my shoes back on. So he goes out. The car's running. She's standing outside of the car and the keys are locked in the car. Must have been an older car, right? Can't <laughs> yeah, do that yeah. now. He's just exasperated. You know, he's just in a bad place. And he says to her, I can't believe you're so stupid. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and she looks at him and she says, well, honey, I'm sorry. I left that important. I can't believe a woman so beautiful can be so stupid. <laughs> just as bad, right? Yeah. She says, well, honey. I think God made me beautiful so you could love me. And I think he made me stupid so I could love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and so when he told that, he, he wasn't ashamed of his failure. Yeah. I mean, he was able to share that. He's sharing the story he with everybody. The story and everybody knew who he was. And, but, but he was also, he and his wife were able to tell it and laugh about it. And that's important too, is, you know, try to, if you're going to marry somebody, find somebody that has a good sense of humor. There's totally. a hint. There's a hint. Yeah. And and you're going to mess up yeah. and they're going to mess up every time. Yeah. And and we kind of can't take ourselves so seriously and think we uh, we're entitled exactly. to, to anything really. Exactly. Man, that's such a, that's such a good example. So the sexual part comes as a result of the hard work you do to be a a biblically based husband, if you want to use that phrase, a, yeah. a biblically correct husband. But you have to, uh, in order to do that, in order to love your wife properly and your kids, you have to have input from others about you to help you grow up, yeah. to help you. One of the things men have to do, men have to figure out all the things that were told to them in their youth that aren't true about them. Oh, wow. And so, like I told you earlier, that I had the good input from my uncles and my school principal. Yeah. I got some bad input from a few locals who told me as a little kid, uh, people with the Irish heritage are all whiskey drinking drunks. Mm. And so there was a prescription for life for me, but uh, I didn't live up to that. I, I rebelled against it. So, you know, you can use a bad prescription as a way of correcting yourself so you don't go that way. Yeah. But um, you have to uh, have that input. That's what I'm saying. And it never yeah. is. I'm 76. I've still got people who input into my life. I, I want that. I value it. And there'll never be a time where I won't. So they don't necessarily have to be older. At some point, that's not going to work, right? Yeah. So it could be somebody much younger that uh, gives input to me. And I want to mention one of them uh, today in this okay. talk. Uh, that So however old you are, however smart you are, you need input from other people that can help you to grow up emotionally and relationally. Yeah, that's so good. We're going to pick up right there with that thread in just a second after a, a quick word uh, from Shadow and a new partner that Men's Alliance is affiliated with. Take a listen. Men, are you struggling to quit looking at porn? This is a topic we've talked a lot about on the Men's Alliance podcast, struggling to quit watching porn. I want you to know this. You are not alone. We are partnering with Covenant Eyes Software so that you can join with over one and a half million people who have successfully used Covenant Eyes to experience victory from porn. And I want to tell you, I have used Covenant Eyes. It's fantastic. I've used it for many years. I've been on the end of it where you're using it 
and I've been on the end where you are an accountability partner for someone else using it. It is outstanding software, okay? It provides excellent accountability in a man's struggle to break the cycle of looking at porn. So if you want to try Covenant Eyes out, you can get a free 30-day trial money-back guarantee when you sign up at CovenantEyes.com. Simply use the code TRIBE, code TRIBE, T-R-I-B-E, when you sign up for Covenant Eyes to get your free 30-day trial money-back guarantee. This is a game changer. It can help you break the cycle. Sign up and use it today. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about a couple tribe launches that are happening this week. So as I've mentioned in the past couple podcasts, we've been talking about Vanguard Tribe and they just launched this week down in Mount Dora, Florida, just outside of Orlando. But coming up this Saturday, February 11th at Catawba Heights Baptist Church in Mount Holly, North Carolina, we are launching the Heights Tribe. Saturday morning, Mount Holly, North Carolina, Catawba Heights Baptist Church. And then Sunday, the 12th of February, we are launching 460 Tribe, and that is at Thomas Terrace Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. So exciting. Three tribe launches in one week, Florida, North Carolina, and Virginia. If you live near Lynchburg, get out to Thomas Terrace this Sunday. If you live near Mount Dora, Florida, check out Vanguard Tribe. And if you live near Mount Holly, North Carolina, you got to check out the Heights Tribe. For all the information, the when, the where, the address, the who to contact, it's all on the website. Go to mensalliancetribe.com slash join. Click on the map and you will find each of those tribes that I just mentioned. Very exciting week in Men's Alliance, and I wanted to share that with you guys. Okay, so we're back with Mike, and he was just talking about, you know, the importance of a guy having inputs in his life, right, from wiser, older, more spiritually mature men, uh, from from reading good books. There's a lot of things we can get our inputs from, right? Yeah, I want to lead into that by telling you uh, layman's experience in an airplane. A private aircraft, a friend of mine flew me up to uh, Maryland to go to a meeting on international adoptions. And when we were flying north of uh, Richmond, we came into an area called the Green Zone, which uh, around D.C. And apparently you don't fly into that. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, if you do, you might not fly back out. Right. And and I remember he, he was uh, he's, he had some good, fancy instrumentation for a private plane. And he had the radio tower talking to him. 
But then he said to me, a guy who doesn't know anything about flying, I want to use your eyes too. I want you to look out your window and tell me if there's an aircraft below us, beside us, above us. And so I thought, wow, that's a lot of external input, all for the purpose of keeping us, giving us a safe landing. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so true. It, everybody in the cockpit, regardless of their level of training, yeah. if you have eyes that work, yep. you can be helping out, right? Yep. There's no reason why you can't be scanning the horizon. Great metaphor for male relationships. That is. I, I feel like... You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is this kind of concept of flight instruments, right? And you're, you're flying an aircraft. You don't just trust your feelings, right? Right. And this is something we talk a lot about in men's Alliance, right? Is, um, you've got these instruments right in front of you. They will tell you if you are climbing or descending or, or banking left or right. And sometimes, you know, you, you're flying at night in the clouds and, and you can't tell anymore. And, and a lot of guys have crashed perfectly good airplanes into the ground because they chose to ignore their their instruments, right? We actually did one of our earlier podcasts on this when we first started oh. the Men's Alliance podcast. So you guys can go check that out. But this is so true for marriages and relationships because I'm sure you've seen thousands through your career, men with no external. Most men are isolated and insulated from external input. They don't know, most of them, that it's necessary. They, they think it isn't. They think they're, you know, I sometimes joke about I, when I speak to a group of men, I, I used to bring a football, and I would say, anybody here want to take this football into the end zone and you're the only guy on your team? And, of course, I've had a couple of hot dogs say I could do it, but no, no, you can't, you know. You can't get it right. You can't be successful without a team around you. And men don't know that. And and once they experience it, though, once you give them like a men's alliance or some of the other kinds of men groups, opportunities around town, once men realize, oh, I, I'm not a less of a man. I'm actually stronger now that I've talked, told the truth to some other guys about me mm -hmm. and my failures, then men will buy into that and men will participate in it regularly and faithfully. Yeah. You, they got to get in it somehow. And, and it's hard. It's, every guy that you invite to a group is thinking, no way, I don't want to do that. That's right. I'll say whatever he wants me to say to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can get him there, <laughs> if you can get that guy there, not all of them, yeah. but most of them, you know, a good percentage of them are going to stick with it. And then there's opportunity for them to teach others. But it's, it's not a nice idea. It's essential. That's right. That's exactly right. Like, like the flag behind you right now that says isolation is terminal. That's like, I, I, I believe that to be literally true right? It'll, it'll kill us. It, it, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm not going to, again, I guess I won't name the pastor, but there was a pastor, a young man who inherited a fantastic ministry from an older guy that had died. And the young man had everything going for him. I mean, the ministry was booming. He was a very sharp guy and he had been uh, a typical uh, ministry leader who became more married to the ministry than he was his wife, mm. emotionally and time-wise. And so he went off on a mission trip. And when he came back from a mission trip, somebody said, by the way, your wife's having an affair. Wow. Now, had that man been in an alliance group or groups like that, yep. he would have had buddies that already knew that he was too emotionally disconnected from his wife. They, they would have already known he probably shouldn't have taken 
so many missions trips. Yeah. And he should have been home more loving his wife like Christ loves the church. But he did not have that. So what did he do? He went and talked to a female and ended up in bed with her. Mm. When you start telling your emotional soft spots to a female, yeah, emotionally, she's already in bed with you and it doesn't take much. And so he lost everything. Now he's started some new ministry. I hope he got some counseling in the meantime. Yeah. But that, that's a typical story. Mm-hmm. And when you hear about a guy who uh, runs to a female to tell his problems to who has an affair, it's a guy who had no input. He did not have openness and vulnerability from other men. Or if they loved him, they would have kicked his butt until he straightened out his behavior. That's right. And, you know, I've heard it said by Stephen Mansfield. He said, you know, the reason why um, a lot most accountability groups, you know, don't work is because they rely on me to figure out what's wrong with myself and then come tell you about it. Right. It was like the better model is to do life together so closely right. with a band of brothers that they can tell what's wrong with you. And, and in order to do that, you have to not do something else that somebody else might want you to do. Yeah. And there are times in life, even as a dad or a husband or a church member or an employee, where you have to say, no, I have to do this to, for me to do well in my roles. Yeah. I have to go t- spend time with, you know, you have to do it in a balanced way and you have to take care of your other responsibilities, but you also have to have time to do what it is you and I are talking about with men's relationships. It takes time. It takes time. And like you're saying, um, it's interesting about, you know, you got to say no to other things. I was just telling Carrie um, last week that I was like, you know, I know exactly what one of my biggest challenges is going to be during this season of life. She was like, yeah, what's that? And I said, I've got to get really good at saying no to a lot of really, really good ideas (laughs) because I can't do them. Exactly. And, and of course, we all want to do uh, the Lord's will. We want to be in the trench God wants us in. But again, uh, God uses men and other people. I, I don't want to sit here and say that we can't get good input from females because you sure. can, but it has to be right relationships and it has to be healthy relationships. And we should have input from both genders, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, but, on a, but on a male-to-male level, which is what we're talking about, um, that helps you. you know, people can who know you well, they can speak into your life. Now, does it mean everything they say is accurate? No, they're giving you their best view and you have to ultimately go to God and figure out, but it, but you're not in it alone. You have a, you have a team that already knows, you know, when my wife died with cancer, I had, um, I had two pastors groups. I have three every week now. So at the time that was going on, I think I had like 10 or 12 pastors in my life and wow. yeah, and so they took care of me during that whole terrible, terrible time in my life. And the hospice chaplain called me up after the funeral and said, would you like a, a hospice chaplain visit? And I said, I laughed, actually. <laughs> I said, well, sir, I'm hogging up 10 to 12 pastors every week. I think I'm, I've got, got what I need. But that, wow. was, that was not too much. I yeah, you happy. talk about a support network. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the thing a lot of people don't understand is you have to build that support network before the tragedy exactly. before the storm, exactly. right? You've got to build your lifeboat before you go into the storm. Exactly right. Right. And you got guys all the time that something catastrophic happens in their life. And then they call the pastor for the first time yeah. or they look for a, a small group for the first time. Right? right. It's like, well, good luck. Yeah. Second best. You yeah. got to have it in place. 
and, and not only for the, the tough times, but even the good times, so you don't get carried away with yourself. Wow, that's a good point. Well, I'm gonna have to think about that. <laughs> that's so true, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got like some people who turn to uh, they turn to a drug, right? We, I know um, you you and I have both done a little bit of uh, substance abuse work, yeah, right? And there's yeah. the group of guys that turn to the substance when they got fired. But there's the group that turns to the substance when they get promoted to celebration as absolutely. And, you know, th th let's talk about that for a minute. There are guys that can get away with uh, drinking a little wine, a little beer, and it doesn't cause any problem in their life. Mm -hmm. And great. Who cares? But there are guys who need to know. My dad was an alcoholic. My yeah. uncles were alcoholics. Probably not a good idea for me to mess with it. Yeah. And if I do, I better have some really close eyes watching me and telling me it's a problem. And, yeah. you know, two guys can go to college and one guy and they can over drink and one can become an alcoholic. Yep. The other one doesn't because genetically there's a predisposition for addiction. Yeah. And and you need to know that about yourself. Yeah. you got to know yourself. You can't live like your uh, your buddy or your exactly. roommate. Exactly. You know what that just made me think of, too, is um, what people eat and whether or not they gain weight. Exactly. You know, you can get two guys, roommates, they both work out together. They eat the same thing. And, and one guy's skinny and he can, he can eat a whole large pizza. That doesn't mean I can eat a whole large pizza. That, that's right. <laughs> Isn't fair, is it? It's not fair. And, and we got to be in tune with ourselves and not yeah. like trying to live the way another person lives. Man, that's so good. Yeah. I just wanted to, uh, this just reminded me, you and I, we had a conversation on the phone a couple of weeks ago. And I think it was like this conversation was so good that I was like, man, I wish we would have just recorded that. Uh, I want to bring that topic back up because we were talking about um, when a when a relationship ends, like when a, when a woman leaves a man. And we were talking about the um, the guys who are like their entire earth is shattered. Right. And they feel like they can't go on living. Right. And we were talking about how um, we were using hunting land. That's what it was about. Right. Like if you get if you get something great in your life, right. like a relationship. Right. Yep. You remember what I'm talking about? I do. OK. Can you can you just talk about that? Explain what we were what we were saying. Well, first of all, how we respond to tragedy or loss or trauma um, isn't only just about that, that event. It has to do with how psychologically sound were we before? And, okay. and of course, our psychological soundness or healthiness drives what kind of situations we get ourselves into it also. And that's a complex uh, conversation to have right there. Yeah. That drives the kind of relationships we have, the type of uh, the soundness of the people we attract, because generally speaking, we attract people who function on about the same level of healthiness as we are functioning on. But I think what you're referring to is sometimes, or and actually quite often, we we have a relationship with a, a a person and a friend, a relative, whatever, and it goes great for a while, and mm -hmm. then it doesn't go great because something's changed. It may be one or both people have changed. It may be the circumstances have changed. So in life, as men, we've just spent this time saying that we have to have relationships. So you you can't do without them. And you can try, but as the flag behind me says, yeah. bad idea doesn't mm -hmm. work well. It doesn't take you to a good place. So when you do have relationships, 
you are a broken person relating to other broken people because you're in a fallen world. And you remember Jesus' three buddies that went with him to the Garden of Gethsemane? Yeah. Fell asleep on him twice (laughs) and hurt his feelings. Mm -hmm. That's as good as it gets. I'm I'm sorry (laughs) to tell you guys, but you have to take that chance. You're going to disappoint your best buddy and he's going to disappoint you. That's life on planet Earth. But you take that and you run with it and you do your best with it. And it, it'll be good, but it won't be perfect. Or you isolate and die young. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. No, every, every relationship's going to let us down. They're all going to disappoint us because they're with other humans, right? Exactly. And and it doesn't mean it's the end of the world for us. Exactly. We can, we can keep moving. A lot of people have taken their lives, committed suicide, or mm-hmm. just gone off, you know, to do something crazy, mm-hmm. uh, something destructive. Uh, because they didn't look on the other side of the problem. They didn't realize there can be plenty of good life after this is over, after this death mm-hmm. or divorce or yeah. job loss or goof up that I made, that there can be life, great life. And a lot of great people, what I think somebody said, I don't know if it's true, Babe Ruth struck out 3,000 times. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. You know, something, some yeah. number, right? Yeah. He kept swinging the bat, right? Yeah. And what's he famous for? Not striking out. That's right. <laughs> that's that's so great, right? We Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, I was okay. I was doing okay before I had this person right. or this thing or this job or this car that's right. or whatever. I was okay before I had this in my life. I'll be okay again. Yes, and but you'll really know that, and it's true, and you should say that to yourself but you'll really know it's true when you have guys around you saying it to you. Oh man. Reminding you of it. Yep. And that's what we need. Yep. So, um, cool. I just wanted to bring that in for, cause I just remember that phone call we had, but I want to ask you, what do you think is, um, what do you think's kind of like the, the best page in Satan's playbook right now? How is he, how is he attacking men? I think it's the same way he's attacking women. I think it's moral relativity. I think it's the uh, culture that says nothing's right or wrong, absolutely. And that when you get up in front of all your friends and family in a church and you make a wedding vow, it's real. Yeah. But Satan says it isn't. Satan says, oh, you wake up one day and you didn't really mean it. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you meant it, because who can say you're right? Who can say you're wrong? Don't judge that guy. You know, all those kinds of moral relativity statements. Yep. That's the biggest lie Satan has. And unfortunately, the American culture has bought into it. So if you're a person who says the opposite, that you're going to be in a smaller group of people yeah. that are truth tellers. Oh my gosh, this moral relativism is so prevalent right now, especially on like campuses amongst yeah, right. young young students, right? right. Oh right. my gosh, it's so it's the most unpopular thing in this country that you can say is that somebody is doing something wrong. Right. Right, because they just want to say you have your truth, I have mine and and, but, you know, it's it's so exactly right. But then stand up on a six-foot knee wall with them and ask them to, if they believe in gravity. <laughs> Say, well, yeah. I don't really believe in it. We'll jump off and see what happens. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty objective truths you're going to find <laughs> out about, right? That's great. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you're, if you're dealing with this um, in one of your relationships in your life and, and you know, you, you've got, you know, maybe kids or family members that are saying that and they're, they're buying into that, I just want to encourage you, pick up, um, if you go to our resources page on our website, mensalliancetribe.com slash resources, you can click on the um, the field manual. It's the ambassador's field manual for leading your family spiritually. It's free. It's a PDF on there, and it addresses this topic, 
relativism and a, and a, and a ton of others. And it'll tell you how to respond to that exact right. thing with your kids. So check that out on our website. So Mike, we could, uh, we, we, me and you, man, we could keep talking for, for a hundred more hours, right. but, um, I just got to ask you, um, what book would you recommend to men right now wanting to improve themselves, improve their relationships? Well, of course, there's a hundred possible recommendations. Yeah. And fortunately, you're, you have a resource for the guys. Uh, I, I really am um, impressed with Peter Rosenberger, who is a man who is a biblical husband who's willing to admit that he has times when he underserves his wife. He has times when he has to shake off the caregiving. His wife is a double amputee from a horrible car wreck. Mm. And he has a ministry called uh, Hope for the Caregiver. Uh, he came to Richmond. We brought him to Richmond yep. three, three years ago yep. and did a caregiver's conference. And when I saw him, uh, when, I, when I took him back to the airport, I said, Peter, I understand from something you said, you like to ride horses in the wilderness in Montana. I'm going to come and do that with you someday. And so he said, okay, great. Bye. Well, three years later this summer, I did that. <laughs> and I did it at some uh, effort. You know, it wasn't easy to do. Yeah. Uh, expense and effort, but it was worth every bit of it. And it happened to be mutually beneficial. We spent a day riding horses in the wilderness in Montana. Cool. And this man teaches people. Uh, he is a no BS kind of guy. And when he gets somebody on his call-in show who's a caregiver who doesn't think they should take care of themselves, he hits them hard. He talks to them the way you and I do when we're coaching people. Yeah. He doesn't mess around. He says, no, you're wrong. You have to take care of you. <laughs> I love it. To take care yeah. of your sick mother, father, daughter, son. You got to take care of you. It means you got to say no and quit trying to uh, figure it all out. Quit trying to be Superman because you're not. Mm -hmm. and quit trying to deny the reality of what's going on that you don't have control over it. And so he has this little book called uh, Seven Caregiver Landmines to wow. Avoid. And I'll, I'll have to get you a copy. I've got some notes in this one. Okay. But one thing I wanted to say today uh, briefly is that after reading this book a second time, I was reminded that the average American male lives to age 76. Okay. Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> and the average female lives to 81. Okay. So one thing Peter told me when we were riding horses together, he said, you know, I always thought I was going to be taking care of my wife till the rest of her life. He says, now I think I might be taking care of her for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. Wow. So husbands, work, do everything you need to do. Maybe that'll scare you into knowing you <laughs> need a team around you. Yeah. Because you're probably statistically not going to be around you're going to predecease your wife. Yeah. Take care of her now financially, mm -hmm. emotionally, uh, spiritually, and set her up with solid friends. Enable her to make it because you're not going to be around to be her caretaker at some point statistically. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, that book, I remember meeting him. We went out for uh we went out for lunch after he spoke. You were there when I told him I was gonna go riding with yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us the, the name one more time. So the book, the na man's name is Peter Rosenberger. Okay. The book is called Seven Caregiver Landmines to Avoid. Yeah. And A Hope for the Caregiver is his ministry. American Family Radio, 88.1, Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Tune in and, and you sit back because he's not going to be 
uh, soft pedal in, input. And you know, um, a couple years ago, when when you brought him in to speak, and and I was tuning into his message and and what this guy is all about, I was thinking like. I don't know if I qualify. Like, I don't know if I'm a caregiver. You, like you I was thinking, right. You know, like, Oh, you have to have a hospital bed in your living room and have quit your day job to be a caregiver. And that was one of the things I learned was that is not true. I realized guys, listen, if you're a parent, you're a caregiver right there. Like everything applies. And then I would say, if you're in a relationship, you're a caregiver, right? So, so it's applicable to everybody what this guy says. So to the audience, Dave can't hear this. Dave's just like all the pastors I talk to. They don't realize how much time and energy they're giving out to others. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you could have been a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> Take I, it back. You know, I, I lied. I'm going to ask you one more question. About kids. Yeah. 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 What so, would you, you know, cause we've spent a lot of time here talking uh relationships with, with women and wives and stuff, but I do want to talk about being a dad yep. and give us some relationship advice for, for that level of relationship with a kid. So let's talk about being a dad, a granddad, an uncle. Those are all important. When you think about back on your life, those were the guys that were most influential, uh, possibly a coach yeah. or a teacher or a neighbor, or another kid's dad, you know, another kid's uncle. So it doesn't have to be a blood relative, right? but the grown men, and now you're that guy. And so just like I said, you need mentors in your life, no matter how you could be 40 who's listening to this, but then there are kids in your neighborhood, kids in your family that are watching. You don't know maybe how much they're actually watching and listening to you. And you have a big influence opportunity, you know, guard what you say, know that words have power over kids' lives. And so if you're thinking of joking with a kid, filter your thoughts before you say it, uh, especially if it has to do with physical appearance or maybe mm. athletic performance or whatever. Just think about, well, how's it, it maybe funny to me, but is that kid going to hear it as funny? Oh and, man. Yeah. And look for ways to praise genuinely and appropriately. Uh, I'm not talking about giving every kid a trophy, but I'm saying look for ways to praise and encourage little ones and, and whatever level of functionality uh, there have. Um, I'm going to um, tell another little short story. I was invited Great. to speak. Uh, at a church out in Hanover a number of years ago. And the guy that spoke, uh, I was speaking on depression, and the guy that spoke before me had had a terrible tragedy where his daughter had died. And um, he got up, and, and everybody knew his story. It was, it was a horrible situation. And he got up and he said, you know, everyone knows my story about the tragedy in my family, and, and thank you for caring, but I want you to hear something from me. When you go home tonight, your 14-year-old daughter is weeping because her boyfriend dumped her. That's her tragedy. And you yeah. need to take that seriously. Don't try to minimize other people's hurt. Get in it with them at the level that they need you to. So good. And spend time with them. You know, man, that's great advice. I know that the um, some of the, I think back through my life, some of the um, worst things I've ever said were said in attempts to be funny yeah oh my gosh we get in so much trouble when we're trying to make people laugh and we right. just say something that we just wish we could pull back in that's great and one other thing i want to say is each kid is different so mm. if you if you're involved with 10 different kids between nieces nephews and your own children they're all separate little individuals figure out who they are 
get in that world with them as a dad or an uncle, get in that particular person's life, not the, the general idea that you might think everybody should fit into. So good. Mike, I'm going to share one thing that you told me years ago. I don't know if you remember saying this to me or not, but um, you were telling me um, about your experience raising your boys and you were giving me some advice with mine. And you said, and this is so true. You're like, I'm always trying to talk to them through in the day when they come home from school, they don't have much to say. Right. And then um, at, at 10 at night when I'm trying to put them to bed and I'm dog tired, yep. all of a sudden they just start talking exactly. and I was relating and I was laughing. I was like, yeah, it's the exact same way with my boys. And you told me you were like, um, here's some advice for you. When your kids start talking, you start listening, right? Your bedtime just got delayed. <laughs> that's right. So drink some coffee yep. and stay up. Cause you need to listen to what they say. If that's when they're going to talk, then that's the time you're going to listen. And I can't tell you how much that, Good. um, kind of, changed my trajectory and and just the way i thought about it and i didn't view it as like a oh man i'm losing sleep right. just suck it up and listen yeah, your kids are talking that's right good <laughs> it's a season right that's right and right. i've i've i have since passed that on and share that to so many good other uh men and women because dave dave knows this too once your kid leaves home and goes to college done it's a new game yeah. New game never comes back the same. Yeah. You're going to wish you had some of those opportunities. So true. So true. Mike, I appreciate you so much. I want to take this opportunity to tell you, thank you uh, for what you've done um, in my life and my family, all your mentoring, all your advice. And, um, and, you know, there are without a doubt thousands of men and their families and their kids and their spouses in this area whose lives you've affected you know you've been doing this here in this area for 50 plus years right well uh, minus the nine years in the, in the military yeah, yeah so thank you for that and um just point people if you're if you're local i want to mention mike's websites to you um he's got christian counselors for va um and he's also got rva for wellness um go check that out really cool website rva for wellness com if you want to see more about what mike's doing what he's involved in the groups that he offers and all the different counselors social workers coaches everybody that he's got on his staff um, he's got somebody for whatever the condition that a person may be going through he's got somebody on his staff that that's their area of expertise so mike thanks for coming on the show it's been awesome talking with you and i hope to see all of you guys out there listening to this around the fire soon Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.